Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Romans by looking at Romans chapter 10. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read the first five verses. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. For the last several chapters of this letter, Paul has been talking about the difference between the way Jews have tried to apprehend God's favor versus the way that God has chosen to freely give it to anyone who has faith like Abraham. As we get to chapter 10, Paul says that it is his heart's desire and his prayer to God that the Jewish people will be saved. And then he mentions how eager they are to serve God. But he adds a word of caution. He says they're eagerness, their zeal for God, is not based on an actual knowledge of what God is doing. He says they're actually ignorant of what God calls righteousness and have developed their own meaning for that word that puts the focus on their ability to keep the law of Moses. These people that Paul is describing would have been folks who were emotionally charged but with little to no information. They would have been eager to win arguments, but not always willing to spend the time to learn if they were right. They would have trusted in themselves to do the right thing based on their perception of what would benefit them most. They were convinced that the rules that had been handed down as commandments were the point of what God was communicating to mankind, and the most important thing they could do was to force themselves to keep those commandments to prove that they were right. This would be because they didn't have a knowledge of the Word of God being a living and active force that can totally transform a person, and that God was using these rules or commandments to help His people become the people He always intended them to be. They saw the law as a destination unto itself rather than a vehicle for getting to the destination. They see commandments as something they were obliged to keep rather than opportunities to develop virtue and thereby have a deeper understanding of what God was doing in their lives. It's easy to look back on the Jews of the first century and demonize them as people who should have known better. But the reality is a very similar religious thinking exists in our world today. And this zeal without knowledge, this eagerness for God, this emotional fervor for God is not the same as faith. These folks had seen the commandments as a way to keep God from destroying them. But faith is not a way to stay alive. It's a way to live. It should consume our whole way of being so that the virtues that God expects to see in his people are a result of the things that are in our hearts 
and not just the words on our lips. So Paul addresses this in the rest of the chapter. Let's pick up the reading in verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous for those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. In the first part of this chapter, Paul says there were Jews who had a definite passion for God. They had an emotional fervor that caused them to say and do certain things and attribute it to God. But the problem was they had never developed faith in God or trust in God. Because faith comes when you combine that passion with knowledge. So there are several points here that Paul makes about the development of faith, the ability to combine passion and knowledge. First of all, that implies that we can know. And he says as much in verses 6 and 7. It may not be clear to us because of the way it's translated into English and then just dropped into the middle of Paul's discussion. Uh, We don't have the context. So we need to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 30 especially verses 12, 13, and 14, and understand the context that this was originally written to help understand the point that Paul's trying to make. What he's telling us in verse 6 is that we don't need to send someone to heaven for the answers. Jesus has already revealed that mystery, and you don't have to bring him back down to tell you again. In verse 6, he's saying we don't need to send someone into the abyss to understand what God wants or how to be rescued, because it is the power of Jesus' resurrection that saves us. So we can know it's been revealed, but how do we find this out? Well, Paul says God gives us teachers. There's no way we can know this if we don't hear about it. There's no way we can hear about it if people don't tell us or teach us. So God has given people who go out, who are sent out, 
by him to proclaim this good news so that we can hear it and let it sink into our hearts and become something that is a part of us, something that we trust. And in doing so, it affects the way that we live our lives. Paul tells us this message has gone out over all the earth. He does that in verse 18 when he quotes Psalms 19 verse 4. His point is that all of the nations, not just the Jewish nations, have had an opportunity to respond to this good news message. And that message is the same for everyone. There's not a different message for the Jews and then a different message for the other nations or the Gentiles. In verse 12, he said, There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Paul also reminds his readers that the message that's being spread is good news. Unfortunately, there are those at our time who are making a proclamation and saying they're speaking for God, but when you hear it, it doesn't sound like very good news at all. It sounds very much like an attempt to control people with fear and anxiety, a way to manipulate them into doing the things that they want done, rather than spending the time teaching them what God wants. But for Paul, this good news message was simple. The Messiah, the King of all creation, that God had promised had come. Jesus had come exactly as God had promised to set things right, exactly the way God said he would. And that news is good enough. But the proclamation of that King is that we can be saved on the day of the Lord. We can be rescued. We don't have to be destroyed because of our own self-will and our compulsion to give in to our own desires. But for that good news to take hold in our hearts and affect the way that we live, we have to make sure that we're listening to that good news, that we're letting it touch us in a way that transforms us into the people that God always wanted us to be. It's not simply having a set of facts and being able to argue with others to prove we're right. It's actually becoming more like Christ. When we are actively listening to the Word of God, it will change our hearts. And when we experience that change of heart, to have a heart after God, several things happen. One is that we trust God. When God gives us instruction, we don't do it because we feel like we have to or He's going to destroy us. We trust that He's guiding us into the best way of doing things so that we can make the most of this life and be prepared for eternity with Him. A changed heart will also submit to the righteousness of God. Remember, as Paul opened this chapter, he said that the Jewish people he was talking about had never accepted God's righteousness, that they had developed their own understanding of what it meant to be right before God, and they were doing that, but had not bothered to learn exactly what God wanted. It's very easy for us to do it. It's a trap that's easy for us to fall into because we don't know what we don't know. And unless we're eager to fill that void with knowledge— the knowledge of what God wants and expects. Not to assume that we've already figured it out, but constantly pursue God and His righteousness. We'll be guilty of forming our own righteousness and asking God to bless that and let that be okay. What God has called us to is to submit to Him. That takes knowledge. That takes experience. That takes exercising our faith in the ways He's called us to. And when we have a heart that's willing to do that, that pleases God. It not only pleases God, but it also puts us in a place where God can rescue us. And as we experience that grace and mercy, our changed heart will fall in love with God. 
Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.